Paris has killed three people. And you've been listening to the news on RTHK. Brought to you by the Backchat team, we've selected some of our favorite highlights of the year to wrap up 2022. So it's about time, in a way, to put the Hong Kong legislature in the right place. That's a disappointment because it could have been different if the vaccine coverage was even higher. And because it's important for humanity to understand, is there life out there? Are we alone in the universe? How is the universe made? Etc, etc, etc. Tune in each morning from December 28th to 30th at our regular time of 830 for the best of back chat. Sunday session with the homie Simon Wilson. RTHK bang loud through the building. Radio 3 on the dial, no question. Frequency 567 is the weapon. Hey, DJ HK Airplay. 1 to 4 p.m. every Sunday. Hong Kong's finest. DJ Simon brought to you live from RTHK.HK. Frequency 567 a.m. Radio 3. DJ Simon. Top of Hong Kong Sundays where you find him. Yeah. Simon Wilson. Do it, do it. Sunday afternoons from 1. This is James Ross, and this week on The Greatest Hits of Music, it's The Greatest Hits of Christmas. Uh, We'll have Stevie Wonder, The Beach Boys, Mike Oldfield, Britney Spears, Miley Cyrus, and Francesca Battistelli. Wizard, Tom Petty, The Ronettes, Robbie Williams, and oh so many Christmas songs. And we'll also have our mystery TV theme tune. Do you remember what this is? It's quite familiar. And we'll reveal all this Saturday evening, Christmas Eve, from ten past six. And we're going on for a full three hours of the greatest hits of Christmas, right here on Radio Three. The greatest hits of music. Good morning and welcome to a holiday edition of The Week on 3. I'm Christy Lai. It's Christmas Eve today, and to celebrate that, I will be delivering some holiday spirits to you all by selecting my favorite picks for the week. And a shout out to Andrew Work on Money Talk for promoting the show. Thursday was Winter Solstice or Dongzi in Cantonese. It is where everyone in the family gather around for a meal to celebrate the start of a new year and winter. It is different from Chinese New Year because instead of winter, we celebrate the arrival of spring. There are many traditions when it comes to winter solstice, and my favorite thing about them all is food. On Thursday, I shared with Noreen some of my favorites, and maybe it will inspire you for some meal ideas. Yes, so um, if you're not familiar with what winter solstice is or what activities we do, so uh, my favorite personal favorite part is 
the food that comes with it. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I, for, for some of our listeners who may not know, Christy is a foodie. And yes. you know, any cuisine, she's up for trying it and she's mm-hmm. probably tried it and she's always able to give the best, the best recommendations. <laughs> um, whenever we, we just say, Christy, what should we have for lunch? And she's mm-hmm. able to tell us exactly what we need that before we even know it. Um, so, yeah, so what are some of the, the traditional foods that people have around about a winter solstice? So the first, let's start with the dessert first, though it is not <laughs> quite typical. So uh, another thing that we like to have is tongyun, our oh. glutinous rice balls. Oh, I love the mm. glutinous rice balls. Oh, mm. so yummy. And they are sweet. They yes. Are, they, they, they are sweet um, and, and they have fillings in them. What sorts of fillings do they have? So actually I read up online, there are quite a few different flavors and also there is a savory kind as well. I've never tried the savory kind before, though. I'm so glad you mentioned it because I think it's a Guangdong thing. Okay, for our listeners, correct me if I'm wrong. So my my mum's mum, my my papa, mm. she's from Taishan, Taishan. A lot of Hong Kong people are from mm. Taishan originally. Um, and she always always made ham tongyun, savory oh. tongyun, the yeah the savory glutinous rice right. balls in soup, and she'd put uh, turnips in there. She'd put oh. some uh, fish meat in there, some pork and some Chinese uh, dried mushrooms in there, uh, cooked in a broth, and it's so delicious. So you'll have a bit of soup with a bit of uh, rice balls. Um, so imagine, instead of having like soup udon, you'll have soup rice balls, and it is so delicious. It just warms your tummy. You can add some dried shrimp in it as well. But, you know, I don't see it in any other cultures uh, or any other, sorry, uh, regions of, of, of China, uh, mainly Guangdong. I don't know, maybe it's, uh, if, if any of our listeners are familiar with Sichuan or, or Hakka, do you have ham tong yun? Or, yeah, so let us know. That does sound really, really good. So yummy. Yeah, it does. And the broth, oh, yes. I prefer savory. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, like what we said earlier, some tong yuns are mainly sweet. So we have the traditional um, lin zi ba kap, oh, yeah. which means uh, sort of like a flower. And some lotus roots, I think. And that's one flavor, popular fa- flavor. We have uh, sesame, red bean, hong dao, or zima. And uh, fa san as well, mm. yeah. Yeah, I've tried the, the peanut uh, flavor as well. Yes. My favorite is still sesame. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm told sesame or, uh, is, is good for your hair oh, as yes. well. So um, because of the, of the uh, darker pigments in the sesame, mm-hmm. that's in, according to Chinese medicine. So it's, it's, you know, win-win for me with my graying hair. And also we have some new flavors. We have a custard, lai wong. Custard. Yes. Wow, I've never tried that one before. And uh, also a personal favorite, uh, purple sweet potato. Ji fan shu. Oh, uh, okay. Or oh, ji mai lo. Oh, uh, is it di- so different? It's different. No, yeah, ji mai lo is different. Okay. Oh. Yes. Oh, wow. Fan shu. Yes, oh, it's dang. really good. Uh, I've s- you can actually find these in your local supermarket because there's this chain brand that makes dumplings that they actually 
do do uh, tong yun as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're super easy to make. Mm-hmm. So you just boil some water, you add some pin tong. Yes, pin tong. Um, so uh, not rock sugar. Brown sugar? Uh, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, is it rock sugar? Yeah, it yeah, is. Rock sugar, rock yeah, rock sugar, yeah. Yeah, you uh, boil some rock sugar with ginger. water, ginger, definitely oh. ginger, and then you just put the glutinous rice balls in, mm-hmm. and 10 minutes later, it's ready. Yes. So the reason why we have tong yun is because Tongyun actually uh, has this meaning of reunion or to reunite, which in Cantonese are we call it tunyun. Oh yeah, tongyun because it has a similar sound yes, to it, and it also does. because of the roundness of yes. it. Yes, so everyone gathers in a round table and has a meal together, and also to a sort of to um, has a symbol of uh, protecting the family or uh, wishing good health to the family. Where we call it uh, bo peng on. Oh yeah, all is well. And another another dish that is not as popular than tong yun is dumplings. So uh, in some northern parts of China, they would have dumplings uh, with their families because um, dumplings are kind of shaped like gold, um, and it's also to hope that everyone gains wealth and money and fortune from the new year. And also another personal favorite is pig trotters, chukka, and uh, it's to. Um, I must admit, I don't think I've tried it during winter solstice. <laughs> I didn't know that existed yeah. actually until yeah. I looked it up, and my mom told me last night we're having chukka. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. So it's actually to hope your parents live longer. Oh, really? I have no idea why, but. Yeah, that's what I saw online. Very interesting. Jugo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so what will you be doing tonight then, Christy? So tonight I'm just going to have dinner with some close family. And uh, I'm not sure if some mahjong will be involved. But yeah, but tomorrow's a work day. So after dinner, we might have to go home. <laughs> Noreen Mir and I sharing our most beloved winter solstice recipes on brunch. After 60 matches between 32 national teams, the 2022 World Cup has finally come to an end with Argentina as champion. It is Argentina's third World Cup title after 1986, with the team's captain and striker Lionel Messi awarded as best player. Unlike previous years, the games were held during the winter seasons in Qatar to avoid the country's intense summer heat and high humidity. I did not watch the final match between Argentina and France, nor do I know anything about football, but I'm sure our back chat team and our sports correspondent Adam Jung will have something much more insightful. Uh, well, there's two fabulous matches this weekend. Um, the third place playoff. Uh, Croatia um, won that. But what struck me about that third-place playoff, first of all, was both sides came at it really seriously. I mean, there's some uh, speculation that they're not really fighting for much. You know, they're not in the final, but they both came at it, hammer and tongs. OK, well, Johnny, Johnny, let's introduce you first. Johnny, of course, uh, as always, Adam Chung, uh, RTS Sports Reporter. Oh, Mike, I almost forgot about that third-place playoff because last night's match was so exciting. But you're right, Morocco were playing for pride, and uh, it was a great game. So, uh, I mean... 
I'll just give everyone a quick recap for our listeners who didn't watch it. It was a crazy game last <laughs> night. So it finished uh, uh, 4-2 on penalties for Argentina, who dominated most of the game. Uh, a penalty from Lino Messi and a beautiful goal from Angel Di Maria put them up 2-0 at half. Then on the 80th minute, uh, France, minute, that's yes. right, <laughs> France just woke up. When uh, they drew a penalty and Kylian Mbappe scored from the spot and then he tied it with a beautiful volley just two minutes later. He scored three goals, right? He did. So he, he scored again in the uh, extra, extra time, time, but that was after Messi had put Argentina ahead. So Messi and Argentina thought they had won it. They only needed to hang on for a few more minutes. And then with two minutes left in extra time, France drew a penalty for handball and Mbappe scored to make it 3-3. Then in the shootouts, uh, Messi and Mbappe both shot first for their country. They both score. France missed the next two, and Argentina went on to win. Have we ever seen a World Cup final like this before? I was going to say, I've been watching World Cup finals since 1958. Um, <laughs> oh, so show your age, right? I don't care. I, I saw Pelé in 58, and Brazil beat Sweden. Um, that was, I think the most exciting one I can remember in all these years was uh, at the time I was British, so I guess it would be 66, yeah. and England against Germany, where you had the same thing. England coasting along 2-1, and right at the last minute, Germany get the equaliser, pushing it into extra time. But this one was, yeah, Adam, 80 minutes. France weren't in it. It's like they, they were had nothing. dreaming somewhere else. It was all Argentina, all Argentina. And suddenly, in the blinking of an eye, the two goals from Mbappe, wow. And that, especially the volley. Yeah, that, that second goal was amazing. So that basically turned the game on its head. So we talked about Messi and Mbappe. Those are the two big performers. But there are other guys too. I want to mention Angel Di Maria. All right, because Messi's 35. He said this was his last World Cup, but same goes for Di Maria. These two guys have been together for a long time. That uh, second goal by Argentina came on a counterattack, started from, uh, by Messi, then a great pass from uh, Alexis to McAllister, uh, and then Di Maria just finished it. And you know what? The whole game, I thought he owned the left wing against the French defender, Jules Conde. And I thought maybe Lino Scaloni, the Argentina manager, took him out a little early because after, after that, uh, France sort of started to come back a little. Stabilized. One thing that impressed me, and it may surprise you, I thought the referee did really well <laughs> because he gave three penalties um, and he wasn't interested in any objections and none of, none of them were challengeable, actually. He was spot on with all of them. Um, so full marks, I think he's a Polish referee. Yeah, he's a Polish referee. Yeah, he, he, he was spot on, uh, nothing controversial. And there was one play, I think it was an extra time, when he picked out uh, Marcus Thuram for diving for in diving, the box. Yeah, and he didn't hesitate. A yellow card for diving, for diving in the box. So he, he was really right on the ball all the way through. Yeah, totally. Impressive. You're saying this is going to be uh, Messi's last World Cup. I've already seen reports that that, that that could change now, couldn't it? Basking in this glory. He, he said he wants to continue playing for Argentina. He, he says he wants to experience what it's like to put on that Argentina uniform as a World Cup champion. Uh, but we're talking, what, the next World Cup, four years from now, he's going to be almost 40. So I don't know if he's going to play another World Cup match, but I could see him carrying on for Argentina for the international matches in coming the, up. In the Copa uh, America. Exactly, yeah. in Copa America and friendlies and so on. Yeah. Um, 
Another interesting fact about uh, Messi, so he was named player of the tournament. Uh, he had seven goals in total, but this is the incredible thing. He was a perfect six for six from the penalty spot in this tournament, including two from the shootouts last night and the shootout against the Netherlands. It's funny because some of them can't, can't get it. The name Harry Kane springs to mind. <laughs> we need to, maybe we need a, another penalty coach yeah. for the England team. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at Messi, he's won everything, right? Almost 100 international goals, uh, 10 Spanish league titles. This is the only thing missing from his resume, and now he's got it. So celebrations all over Argentina. Also want to mention uh, Emmy Martinez. What about the goalie, Argentina's goalie? Yes, yeah. Right? He stopped... Uh, right at the end, there was one. You thought France must score. Yes. And somehow he stopped it. He stopped it. And he looked very calm, too. He was dancing afterwards, <laughs> handing the ball to the shooter to play a little mind game. And then he stopped Kingsley Coleman. He made sure many missed. And uh, that was it. For uh, spectators last night was, was, was in a way terrible because it was so exciting. You couldn't go to bed. It didn't matter how tired you were. And you were sitting and you're thinking, should I take a chance? Kick off at 11. Okay, it'll all be over <laughs> before 1 o'clock. Uh, yeah, I'll risk it. You know, I'll be a little bit tired in the morning, but it won't matter. One o'clock came. Oh, no, too bad. We're going to extra time. Yeah. Another and half an hour. Oh, that's not enough. Let's have some injury time for the extra time. And then, whoa, penalties. Why not? Why not? You know, two o'clock turns up. Wow. How about Mbappé? I mean, he, how, how do you, you score three goals in a World Cup final and you still don't win? Yeah, that, that's amazing. I mean, the last guy to do it, England 66, right? Oh, so that has happened before, right? It has, yeah. He's only the second guy to do it. Um, well, that guy won the, in 66. Exactly. England won. Okay, so he's the first one to score three goals the and you don't win. The first one to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final and not win it. That can't feel and good. And Mbappe is very efficient. Like that volley when he scored, yeah. he could have touched it a few more times, but he took it first time and it went straight in. Very efficient, uh, deadly from the penalty spot. Uh, just a great player. And he's only 24. So he'll be around in the next World Cup for he'll sure. He'll be around for sure. Two he's more. already got one under his belt. Yeah, he won four years ago in Russia, which I, I did see. I did go to Russia to see. <laughs> RTHK sports correspondent Adam Jang with Mike Rouse and Danny Gittings on Monday's Back Chat. I don't know if you celebrate Christmas, but in the other side of the world, in the Southern Hemisphere, it's not all white and snowy, but it's rather hot Christmas. Over in New Zealand, sustainability expert Marin Pierce is experiencing some hot, hot weather, but also some light rain. You can even hear the droplets in the background. Aside from telling us his holiday plans, he also told James Ross more about some nearby marine reserves and introduced to us several conservational groups in Hong Kong. Um, well, I was switching into the whole thing about this uh, environment message that just uh, come out from the COP15, the UN Biodiversity Conference mm. that's mm. been happening in Montreal. And while it's raining, they're talking about protecting watery areas at ocean um, uh, and, so, and land conservation. So this agreement's pretty interesting one and pretty special. It's a long time coming. But what they've committed to is the countries they are signed up. This is mostly countries. Um, think of this as the 
We've heard about the, the climate change one. We were doing all the CO2 stuff, this last one that they had uh, a couple of weeks ago, COP27, another COP. Now, this one's the biodiversity, where they're looking at the animals and nature and bringing back wildlife and plants and all that. And what they've agreed at the end of this, the key thing was that globally, all countries should be targeting to have 30% of their land and 30% of their coastal and marine areas protected by 2030. So it's 30% by 2030. Right. And you think, wow, that sounds really cool. And you go, okay, Hong Kong, look at land. What's our country parks? That's 40% of our area. So we're kind of going, oh, tick, that's quite nice for Hong Kong. Oceans or coastal areas are room for improvement. I think we're at, is it 1% we're at at the moment with our marine parks? Right. And I've been proposing, and others, not only me, but are saying well, we should be targeting the 10% that under the UN Sustainable Development Goals, Goal 14 for water, um, had a target of trying to get to 10%. And that was sounding like a, quite a stretch. And now they're saying, well, no, we should be going with 30%. What and is it? Go, but, but, Marion, what, it's 30% of what? So I don't quite get it. Yeah, you mean this is, is, is the coastal waterways and it's, it's 1% of that or 10% of that? Or how, how is it measured? Well, tank all the areas you can float a boat uh, around Hong Kong. Mm. You know, if you look at all our marine parks, out of the total water area that is Hong Kong's ocean, mm. uh, you know, sea environment, that I think our current marine parks uh, get to just about 1% of our area that Hong Kong controls for its um, you know, fishing rights and things like that, their water, you know, salt water areas. Um, and what this is talking about is all countries should be targeting to try and have protected 30% of their coastal and inshore areas. Because a bit like New Zealand, we also have uh, large, large uh, ocean areas because there's a 200 mile, 200 mile, 200 kilometer, 200 mile limit for um, countries that they can go out before it becomes you know, open sea uh, and no country has any um, rights over it. So for some countries, it's a massive area to get to 30%. Um, whereas in Hong Kong, you're, you're pretty much surrounded by the China water, so it becomes the, the boundaries of the Thar, um, that is pretty much goes across the bottom of the Sokos, just a little bit south of, um, uh, Lama Island, out, out to, um, the east more. So how so, could we, how could we achieve those goals then? You know, what, what, what would we have to do to get to, uh, 10% or 30%? Well, it's just declaring them as marine reserves or marine parks or conservation areas. So that you say, just that's all it is. It just means put a map and say these areas should be protected. Of course, similar problem here in New Zealand, more on our land. Well, our land area, uh, I think we're about 30% of our land is protected through our uh, national park network or conservation network, which is similar to the country parks in Hong Kong, which cover the 40%. But then you get into protected, but are they being maintained well or are they being cared for in a way that nature can really thrive there? And that's where the fine print, I think, of these deals have come in. Uh, what, what are your it, plans? What are your plans for the weekend for Christmas? 
Well, a lot of it revolves around catching up with family, so nothing too much uh, different there. But what happens, of course, summertime, the idea is it's fine. You go and have a barbecue somewhere and uh, you know, sit around and uh, chat and have a few cold beverages. Um, often, uh, Chris, that's a Christmas day, often more at home than that. Boxing Day, more people start heading to the beaches or the lakes. And, uh, and so that's the game plan. We'll be catching up with family, sitting on the deck, looking out over the, hopefully not what I can see at the moment, which looks like a lake rather than green grass that should have cows and sheep that look more like they're um, <laughs> floating polystyrene boxes on a lake at the moment, the poor sheep. <laughs> oh, goodness, that sounds terrible. It's almost yeah. up to their belly. Yeah, it's bucketed <laughs> down amazing. Mate. Um, but uh, it's it's one of those things of just catching up with family again and uh, friends over that period and uh, enjoying hopefully sunshine. Well, um, you know, have a fantastic Christmas and, uh, you know, best wishes from everybody here at The Brew, from yep. Phil, and, Phil and myself and, uh, and everyone. And uh, enjoy, enjoy the warmth. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty, yeah. chilly, pretty chilly in Hong Kong at the moment, so uh, it's a great opportunity <laughs> well, to do that barbie on true. the beach. <laughs> yep, and thanks to everyone as well. And I'm raising a beer to you. If we'd been on camera, I'd be holding a piece of Christmas cake and a beer to celebrate Christmas with an Operation Santa Claus hat on my head that I bought all the way back to New Zealand. So good luck with the Operation Santa Claus uh, efforts, everyone, as well. Fantastic. Thanks. And remember, remember also that some charities are also looking for volunteers over this time as people go away on holidays and that. So yeah. do reach out to the different charities to help help where you can in whatever way they need. Sustainability expert Marin Pierce was with James Ross on The Brew. And finally, to end today's week on three, we'll have again Steve James, who will be sharing his pick of the week. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, wishing you a splendid holiday season to you and your families. Take care and have a great day. I'll see you next week, same time here on The Week on Three. I'm Christy Lai. Oh, the factories may be roaring with the boom a lack a zoom a lack a But there isn't any roar when the clock strikes four. Everything stops for tea. And here we go. Now I know just why Franz Schubert dum, dum. didn't finish his unfinished symphony. He might have written more, but the clock struck four. And everything stops for tea. Tea break this afternoon. This day, 1957. The Crickets released the single, Oh Boy. It was backed. The B-side was not fade away. It was in the UK, which became their third top ten hit there. Oh Boy was originally released by Sonny West in the late 1950s, but did not achieve any commercial success. In 1964, the Rolling Stones' cover of Not Fade Away, the Crickets' B-side, with a strong Bo Diddley beat, was a major hit in Britain and was the A-side of the band's first US single. All of my love, all of my kissing, you don't know what you've been missing, oh boy, oh boy, when you're with me, oh boy, oh boy, the whole world can see that you were meant for me. All of my life I've been waiting, tonight there'll be no hesitating, oh boy, oh boy, when you're with me, oh boy, oh boy. The world can see that you were meant for me Stars appear and the shadows are falling And you can hear my heart 